Hey, Murder Lovers. My name is Mackenzie. And I'm Patina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Hey. By the time this gets posted, <laughs> we might be in the new year. 2020. Happy New Year. You know what would start our new year off really great? <laughs> oh, I guessed like a it. corny salesman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what we would like from you is... <laughs> ratings and reviews on itunes apple podcasts we would greatly appreciate it you would start our 2020 off on the right foot fatina has a story for us today i do this bitch <laughs> tell me she's tell a me terrible what she fucking did. human okay? okay this lady i will say this to start again you're listening to a true crime podcast but for some people you know, I'll let you know what it's about before we get started, just in case this isn't your cup of tea. So this involves babies. Ooh. See, that's why Ooh. I knew I had to say it, because a lot of people... Triggered. Right. Yeah, I get that. So even as I was researching this... You made your own comfortable. Oh my God, I wanted to print out her picture and punch it. I This lady is just... She so use it as like an Ed Kemper dartboard. <laughs> Yeah, I will. On a shelf? I know. Yeah. So, someone get me a speed bag. I will put her face on it. (laughs) She is the worst example of a human being. This is a story of Kathleen Fulbig. And this is a case that took place in Australia. So oh. shout out to my Australian listeners. We got we got a gang in Australia, hey. first of all. Hey. Gang gang. <laughs> they they pulled up. They passed up yeah, Canada. Canada? Yeah, yeah. Are you are you gonna sit back and take that? <laughs> Australia's like, no, we got this. <laughs> Thunderdome. Canada versus Australia. <laughs> we got a few people out there in uh, Australia, so shout out guys. All right. This uh, human. Do we even want to give her that? Oh, okay. This piece of garbage. The worst piece of garbage. Okay. I I mean, I I don't even, I'm so mad at her. I can't handle this kind of anticipation. You know it. Tell me what happened. Okay, 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 (laughs) okay. All right. So I'm going to start with a little bit bit of background because this almost, it doesn't mirror like the Ward Weaver case. But it does to a certain point of that nurture versus versus nature piece. Oh, yes. So they don't get here on their own people. No, she had a lot of terrible help. So she had a really rough go uh, on her childhood when she was only two years old. Her father, Thomas Britton, murdered her mother. Whoa. Who was also named Kathleen. He stabbed her a total of 24 times. Sheesh. He was arrested the same day of the murder. Was she? She was there, but I don't think she has she a memory it. of it. Okay. Right. That you know of. Uh, that she knows of. Right. Maybe subconsciously she yeah. does remember it. But reportedly, he said that he killed her because she was neglecting her, neglecting the child. Puts a lot on the little girl. Right. So this left two-year-old Kathleen without a mother and a father in jail. So she was swifted into foster care. <sighs> the foster care isn't what turned her sour. Well, maybe. But 
she was taken in at the age of three, so she only spent about a year in the interim, in like an interim family. But by the age of three, she was taken in by the Marble family early on, and she stayed in their house well into her teen years. Was she adopted by them or just doing foster care? It's reported that they wanted to adopt her, mm-hmm. but that process officially never went through. Okay. So she actually thought she was adopted by them, but she didn't find out till later in life that she wasn't officially adopted by them. Ouch. Yeah. And Mrs. Marlborough is reported to have been treating her badly and treated her more as a slave than a daughter at the house. Mm. Never let her go out with any friends and just almost had her as a maid in the house. Gotcha. Mr. Marlboro, on the other hand, very nice man, treated her like a daughter, and she saw him as a father. Okay. Kathleen didn't finish high school. She dropped out by the age of 15. The entire time that Kathleen was living with the Marlboros, she didn't know what had happened to her parents. So she didn't find out that her mom had been murdered by her father until she was 17 years old. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. What year was this? So this hap- she found out in 1985. Her father okay. killed so, her mother in 1969. Okay. So Google wasn't a thing. No. Okay. I was like... Right. Seriously? Yeah. All right. That makes more sense. But at the same time... That's a long time to go with that yeah, big family secret. Yeah. It's a long time. I'd be interested to know why they told her she was in foster care. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know. I mean, she was so little that maybe, I don't know, some families keep that a secret for a long time. I can only assume what happened in this case. Like, but does she know her dad's in jail? She she didn't know know any of that. Yeah. No. She didn't know any of that. She didn't know where her father was until she was 17 years old. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what reason they told her. Like this whole time. Yeah. What lie were they feeding? Right. Maybe it was like a white lie. How do you white lie about not having parents? I don't know. They both died, and you know, maybe that's not a white accident. lie. Well, yeah, it is. No, it's to not. protect her better than your father murdered your. A mom. white lie is saying something like, "I didn't smoke your last cigarette." <laughs> that's not a white lie. Not your parents died in a car accident. <laughs> a white lie is a small lie. True. That's not a small lie. <laughs> maybe a lie to protect her from the truth. Which you're right. I want to know what that is, but yeah. I don't know what it was this whole time. A little white lie. (laughs) So two years after she found out that her mom had been murdered by her father and her father was in jail, obviously her world came crumbling down. She left her house with the Marlboros in 1987 to go to the city where she got a job. And this is where she met Craig Fulbig. It wasn't long before they moved in together. They fell in love And they also got married that same year. So she was quick on all that. So how much time had passed at this point? From where? When they met to when they got married. It all happened the same year. Hmm. So less than a year. I've heard it faster. I I was just going to say, I've seen quicker. So (laughs) Shout out to a few of my family members. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding, I love you guys, but not really kidding. (laughs) But I do love you guys. You know who you are. Yeah. So they didn't murder their children. (laughs) Yeah. 
So after being married for two years, in 1989, Kathleen and Craig were expecting their first child. On February 1st, 1989, she gave birth to Caleb Gibson Volbig. They were both released from the hospital as healthy mom and healthy child. Okay. Five days after being home, they noticed that baby Caleb was making a lot of noise when breathing. And they took him in back to the doctor's office. And this is where he was diagnosed with laryngomalacia, a.k.a. a lazy larynx. Hmm. So as daunting as that sounds... The doctors reassured them that the baby's larynx would get stronger as he got older, so he would eventually outgrow this. Okay. That's best case scenario for that right. kind of thing. Yeah. So on the night of February 19th, 19-day-old Caleb was put to bed by Kathleen at around 8 p.m. At around 3 o'clock in the morning, Craig was snapped awake by Kathleen's screams coming from the room next door. When Craig rushed into the room, he saw Kathleen standing over the crib and repeatedly yelling, my baby, something is wrong with my baby. Of course, the paramedics were called in. Mm -hmm. They took him into the hospital. Unfortunately, baby Caleb did not make it. The official cause of Caleb's death was listed as a sudden infant death, death syndrome. SIDS. SIDS. I believe in Australia, this is more commonly referred to as cot death. Oh, that's mm -hmm. interesting. You guys have a different name for it. Mm -hmm. Huh. All right. At this point, they're grieving parents, and Caleb was just unfortunately a victim of an unexpected tragedy. Yeah. Seven months later, Kathleen was ex an expecting mother again. On June 3rd, 1990, Patrick Allen Fulbig was born. He was born full term and healthy. This time around, Craig planned on staying home for three months with Kathleen to help around the house and help care for the new baby. Good job, Craig. On the evening of October 18th, 1990, Patrick was three and a half months old at this time. Kathleen put him to bed. At around 10 p.m., Craig checked in on Patrick and saw that the baby was sleeping soundly. Craig then went to sleep and then was woken up again around 3.30 in the morning by the screams of Kathleen coming from the baby's room. I'm starting to get very angry very quickly. Uh -huh. He walked in and saw her standing over Patrick's crib. Mm. Craig picked up the baby from the crib and realized that the baby was still breathing, albeit shallow, but was still breathing. Mm -hmm. Craig immediately started CPR. One of the two called paramedics. The paramedics arrived and they took over the CPR. Patrick was rushed over to the hospital, and he did regain consciousness. Unfortunately, Patrick woke up blind and now having seizures. Mm, oh. Oh. He was stable enough to be sent home. <sighs> and so this happened in October. So about five months later, Craig had already returned back to work. And Kathleen was at home with baby Patrick. Patrick was eight months old at this time. Craig got a call while he was at work. And according to the police records, what Kathleen said to Craig was, it happened again. Craig, of course, left work 
and he got to the house around the same time that the paramedics did, and the paramedics took Patrick to the hospital, but was announced DOA, dead on arrival. There was an autopsy performed on baby Patrick, and it was determined that he passed away from acute asphyxiation due to a seizure. Your face right now. I'm so angry. I can't even mm-hmm. begin to tell you. I. Hmm. Yeah. I. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And this Where's whole my time, dartboard? In this whole time. How are you, you this dumb? You just, you know, as an outsider, people are probably thinking, holy shit, like these parents are having the worst fucking luck with their kids. I don't think that. I don't think that as an outsider. I'm thinking, how but can if you, you be that know, dumb? But if you didn't know about the first kid and. But he does. Yeah, I know. Craig, I'm talking to you, Craig. Mm -hmm. You know. We'll get there. So after Patrick's passing, Craig and Kathleen wanted a change of scenery, and they relocated to Thornton. After being in Thornton for a year. Where's Thornton? I believe it's southwest of Newcastle. So, okay, same state, but just a different... Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. After being in Thornton for about a year. She winds up pregnant again. She was pregnant once again. Unbelievable. This time, it was with a girl. Kathleen gave birth to a beautiful, healthy baby, and they named her Sarah Kathleen Fulbig. She was born on October 14th, 1992. When Sarah was 11 months old, she got a cold. And like anyone with a cold, she was having trouble sleeping. Up until this point, everything was normal. Sarah didn't have any health issues. She was a healthy 11-month-old. On August 29th, 1993, at around 1.30 in the morning, Craig was once again woken up by Kathleen's screams. If I were Craig, I would have beaten the ever-living hell out of this woman at this point. He rushed over, and this time, it was a little different. She wasn't standing over the bed with the kid, but was in the doorway while Sarah laid in her bed motionless. An autopsy was performed on Sarah, but again, her death was ruled officially a case of sudden infant death syndrome. SIDS. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So where are we at now? Three? Three. Fertile Myrtle's not done yet, is she? Uh, So I think that at this point, since they were, this is my own theory, because they were in a new town, new hospital, new police, new community. A trend wasn't established. Right. Unfortunately, this event didn't trigger but anyone how didn't see dumb a pattern. Are you as a spouse? Craig though. Craig though. I could have some you... words with Craig. <sighs> okay. Two things. <laughs> you don't realize what's going on in your own house and <sighs> let's assume I'm going to give you the most gracious benefit of the doubt here and say that you really believe your wife and that this is an absolute coincidence. Three times? Why are you continuing to... Yeah. Three times. First time, holy shit, really fucking unfortunate, shit happens, SIDS is a thing, I see it happening. Second time? Really fucking bad luck. Yeah, and... Maybe something's not quite right here, but I could, I could third time? see. Third time. Third time. You're a goddamn moron. Absolutely. And maybe then, like, we might need to do some other things here and figure out what else is going on before we continue to have more children. Uh-huh. 
this guy. I, oh, so many. I don't know who so many... angers me more in this situation. Him or her? Well, I think my arm. I'm sure bruised. she will. I'm Wait, sure what? she's going to piss you off more. Oh, great. So four years later, Kathleen was pregnant again. By this time, they had already moved again to another town, which was known for its vineyards, a town called Singleton. She gave birth to a healthy girl that was named Laura Elizabeth Volbig. This was on August 7th, 1997. Unlike her previous children, Laura's breathing was monitored for the weeks following her birth, just in case, even though she seemed to be a healthy kid. Everything was great, and there were no health issues or scares with Laura. That was until she caught a cold when she was a year and seven months old. For those of you that like it said the other way, she was 19 months old. But I, You know what? I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> well, all the reports said 19 months old, and I was like, uh, no one could have said a year and seven months. I have a lot of friends that do that, <laughs> and I'm like... Your kid is three, not 36 months. No, my kid is 36 months. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I think after you hit, like, the the year mark, then your kid is one, Mm -hmm. and then your kid is two. But I'm not a parent, so maybe I'll change my mind down the road. My kid is 364 days old. One of my friends is totally going to yell at me about this. (laughs) I love you guys. I love your kids. (laughs) Your 36-month-old kids. (laughs) I can already think of one who's just going to strangle me right now. Uh, Where was I? On March 1st, 1999, Kathleen called the paramedics to her house because she said that Laura wasn't breathing. Hmm. When the paramedics got to their house, Kathleen was in the process of giving Laura CPR while she had her laid out on the kitchen table. Upon their examination on the scene, they could not find a pulse on Laura and declared her again DOA. This is where someone starts to catch on to this and, oh. and sees a pattern. Oh, now we decide? So, yeah. So an autopsy was performed on Laura as well, which I will say uh, we've seen cases where autopsies haven't been performed because things seem to be natural causes mm-hmm. and stuff. And I really didn't like that autopsies were performed the causes of death weren't determined accurately. It's just really unfortunate. Yeah. I'm wondering in my head, I'm wondering who's this autopsy technician. Cause I'm guessing there's not a plethora of them. They're all different though. They because are. The first two was in one town. Then they moved to Thornton and then they'd moved to Singleton. So they're all different forensic analysis. I'm losing my patience Corners. very quickly. All right. So an autopsy was performed on Laura But in her case, she was too old to have been a victim of SIDS. This is according to the coroner. And he officially put undetermined as her cause of death on her death certificate. And because he was suspicious of foul play, he also notified the police of his findings. Finally. And this is when the investigation from the police officially launched. Someone finally has a brain. When I say I'm losing my patience, I'm losing my patience with these people. (laughs) So Sergeant Bernard Ryan was the one assigned to this case. And he began by routinely interviewing Kathleen and Craig. And this is when he learned that Laura was, in fact, the fourth child 
that they had tragically lost. Mm-hmm. This, of course, made him very suspicious, and he began an official investigation, not only for Laura, but for the other children as well. As the investigation was just beginning, no one had been brought in or sent or charged with anything at this point. Kathleen up and left Craig, just straight up left the house, left all her shit at his house, and just left it all there for him to deal with. She just wanted to be gone. Mom of the year. <sighs> so the house that they shared in Singleton was where she left him. And Kathleen had been known and, you know, family and friends that knew her knew that she always kept a diary throughout her entire life. And although she thought she had gotten rid of most of her diaries, you know, you get, you know, you fill one up, you throw it away or you she cannot do be whatever. She left two of them behind in the house. One of them was on her nightstand in the drawer. And another one, which seemed to have been um, put away almost, you know, to be kept secret. She had put it in a plastic bag, wrapped it in a sweater, and then put it in between sweaters in her closet. So it wasn't meant to be found, I guess. Maybe don't put down something like that in writing. So Craig found these diaries. Mm -hmm. First one that he found was the one in the drawer on the nightstand. And he is quoted saying that reading those diaries made him want to vomit. What what, what was making him sick? Was it what he found in the diary or what a big freaking moron he is? (laughs) He's such a fucking moron. Such realization. It's hard Ah. to swallow. So in the diaries, although there was never any confession of I did this or I killed I killed my kid or you know my four kids there were statements or things written down by her that really implicated her on the case Mm -hmm. so she wrote things down that coincided with the dates of the of the kids deaths Mm -hmm. for example for the first kid she wrote down that she had done something terrible, but didn't say what. Mm. And what she did write a lot of in the diary was that she was always, I guess, trying to appease her husband in the way that she thought she had gotten too fat. And because of having the babies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She thought that he didn't love her anymore because of that or was growing out of love uh, with her because of that. And every time a new baby came into the picture, she felt some of that love being torn away from her and some of that attention being pulled away from her. Oh, my God. She was jealous. So that might that is seen as the motive in these cases. Oh, oh, I can't. If you're self-conscious about what is happening to your body as a result of having babies, don't have babies. (laughs) If it bothers you that much that you're willing to off your kids about it, don't have babies. Yeah. I totally understand having some body issues and having to come to terms with having a new body. I get that 100%. But if it drives you to kill your children, don't have babies. And know that a lot of partners will embrace that because they know that you brought a fucking human into this world 
Anyway. Yeah. So also he kept getting you pregnant, so it doesn't sound like he has too much of an issue of it. Right. He obviously didn't. This was all in her head. And because she's crazy. So Craig obviously turned these diaries in and they brought her on charges. She has never admitted to killing any of the kids. She has never confessed to any of it. Eventually, because it seems almost circumstantial, mm-hmm. they sentenced her to 30 years, 25 of which she is not eligible for parole. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure at 25 years she would be eligible for parole. And they keep switching up the sentencing, I believe, in 2008. They moved it to 25 years total and then 20 years couldn't be on parole. So that's where we're at now. She was convicted of this and sentenced to, right now, 25 years and 20 of that, no parole. Okay, Australia. Yeah. I can see something like this not getting that far in the United States. No, right? Yeah. Right. So they... They did good with proving their case. She tries to make out that what she wrote in those diaries, for example, the I did a horrible thing to my baby. She said that, well, she doesn't remember exactly what she wrote it about, but she said it could have been anything like me laying down the crying baby and letting him just cry. I thought that was a terrible thing. Mm. So I just wrote that down. A likely story. So piece of shit human. Yeah. Piece of shit person. I can't yeah I literally want to throw darts at her face four babies (laughs) in Jake's words she needs to be put into a a cannon and shot into a brick wall that's what Jake said Svetina's (laughs) brother-in-law oh I like that I was just gonna say that I hope that she has yeast infections for the rest of her years but I like that too that works but hold I mean I can't understand this. And Oh, you know what? Actually, I hope she gets UTIs too. Ew. Yeah. Oh. Burning UTIs. <laughs> For the rest of her life. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to look at the Instagram, I'm sure Kenzie will do a phenomenal job again with the pictures, but <laughs> these pictures are just terrible because I want to punch her in the face. She's, she doesn't look remorseful at all. Well, no, she's a monster. And a, another thing I forgot to mention was that in her diaries, she almost seems uh, like she had a split personality or she always um, analyzed things, both, you know, saw both sides of a coin. Yeah. So she would say, you know, I can't wait to be a mother and I, you know, I, I love feeling the baby inside of me move and be alive and yeah. da, da, da. but at the same time she was really frustrated and she felt like she wasn't mother enough because she wasn't able to or the kids weren't latching when yeah. she was trying to breastfeed so there's a lot of back and forth of it sounds... I feel like a terrible mother but I'm so happy to be a mother it, it's... it sounds like it sounds a lot like Andrea Yates who I am 100% planning on covering at some point yeah. in fact I have her written down to like do very very soon but it almost sounds like I'm not a psychologist or anything but it sounds like postpartum postpartum and bipolar mm-hmm. but well I guess I don't know much about postpartum do you know how long after giving birth at last I have no idea because Laura was 
Almost a year and a half. Someone is going to correct me on this. Please do feel free to correct me on this. But I feel like postpartum left untreated can last up to two years and then go full-fledged depression at that point. I don't know that this was the case with Kathleen. No, she just sounds like a monster. Right. Yeah. She's a piece of shit. Yeah. All right. All right. Great. Well, I'm going to go scream into a pillow now. That's so frustrating to me. I just, ugh, that one just aggravates me. Okay, make me feel better, you guys. <laughs> you can do that by going over <laughs> and following us on Instagram at a stranger danger podcast. You can email us at a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at stranger danger colon a true crime podcast. And you can find us and follow us on Twitter at s true crime pod thank you you guys and send us your your suggestions or ideas if you have anything else that makes me just want to put my head through a wall send it to fatina not me (laughs) i'm just kidding i'll take it (laughs) thank you guys so much and we'll see you in the next one bye-bye bye